This is the Wintrust Business Lunch on WGN Radio. It's 12-11. Terry Savage, the syndicated financial columnist, is in the house today. TerrySavage.com is the website. You were in the studio monitoring our conversation with Ray Kaplan when I asked her, why doesn't the government just lower or cap at zero the interest rate people pay on these loans? Yeah, Ray and I just gave each other a big hug. I mean, First time the two of you have met in person. We've talked so many times. I referred so many people to her. I've called her many times on technicalities. Nobody knows that business like Ray Kaplan. And uh, you asked a question, why doesn't the government just lower the rates? Two years ago, it must be easily, I wrote a column saying the most unfair thing, I think it was actually before forbearance, so maybe three years ago, the ridiculous idea that at that time the government was borrowing for 10 years at 1% and student loan borrowers from decade, a decade before were still paying off loans at 8 or 10% and that loan interest accrues. So the you're right. I mean, I've written about them. Many people, people who have listeners of ours have written to me. I started out with $48,000 in loans. I've been paying for 15 years. I've still got $61,000 in loans. I said the government should be able to re-age the loans just the way if you uh, go through consumer credit counseling, they'll re-age your loans, take off the interest. They should go back and, and lower the rates on all those loans to whatever the government's paying on 10 years today, it's a little over 3.5% the governor, the government borrows at for 10 years. Well, my goodness gracious, nobody should be paying on student loans more than 4%, let's say. And they could do that. Ray it's made so the point, silly. though, that the government needs to make money on these loans. Oh, that's ridiculous. They print the money they need. Come on. We're $30 trillion in debt now. So what's another trillion? Really? I mean, the You're fact saying is, that? No. What I'm saying is, I'm, I said that facetiously. I don't want you to think I believe that. What I'm saying is that fair is fair. If the government and everybody who has a mortgage gets to refinance, then student loan borrowers should be allocated that same privilege, especially, you remember federal student loans were originally put into place to subsidize, not to destroy futures, but to subsidize education. So I think it's absolutely outrageous that people are paying that even this year's rates will be, I haven't seen the rates for this year, but the rates have always been so much higher. And once you're stuck with a federal student loan, unless you do a consolidation, you're still paying that same And it doesn't rate. get discharged in bankruptcy. It doesn't get, there was a little movement toward that, but it doesn't really get discharged But what do you say, the whole Terry student Savage, loan thing. to the responsibility people have for paying back loans? Absolutely. But I think once you've paid back the principal and a certain amount of interest, that's enough. That's not the point. When nobody pays back SNAP benefits, right? I mean, we, we do set up things to help people. And some people get back a lot more out of Social Security than they paid in. But my mom told me many, many years ago, she said, look in the mirror, repeat after me, life is not fair. So don't <laughs> count on it. Well, and besides, I mean, we've had a lot of these conversations more a couple of years ago, but millionaires and billionaires either get deductions or are able to declare bankruptcy and then they move on and debt gets forgiven or taxes yeah. get eliminated. So, so w- w- why, w- why have we decided that? Students who borrowed money are excluded. Well, what from we that. did is we just covered over the big student debt problem by the forbearance that was granted, starting under the Republicans under Trump, and extended under Bush because you can't get any sensible. I mean, this ought to be something 
pretty much Congress could agree on and pass an adjustment in the way student loans are repaid. I mean, really? For a long, long time, (laughs) these are, remember, private student loan servicers making a lot of money, giving oftentimes very bad advice. And I'm talking about Navient and all of the other ones. So come and sue me for that. I can give you a dozen examples from people who have written to me about how Navient gave out wrong advice that cost people a lot of money. So the point is they could get some legislation together, but they can't get together on anything. Didn't it happen during the Clinton administration that they decided that we need to make money more available to people to go to college, that people who had previously been excluded from college because they didn't have the resources, and they said, you cannot, let's not deny these people these loans. Let's make sure they get the money to go. Exactly, and it was supposed to be subsidized. But the fact is, we started subsidizing education with a GI Bill after World War II, and that worked. You know, a lot of servicemen, mostly men, but women, came out of the Army and, and after World War II, used the GI Bill to go through college. That built a really great generation of of American citizens. Yeah. Well, as I told Ray, we'll, we'll segue to other okay. subjects here because I know we've already had this conversation, but it just seems to me like if you're the university of somewhere and you know somebody's getting a degree in philosophy and it's going to cost them $200,000 to graduate, that somebody ought to pull the kid aside and say, unless oh. you have the money to finish school, you're not going to make it on the other end. There is a great book out. I wrote a book column about it. It came out last year. Ron Lieberman, L-I-B-E-R-M-A-N, called The Price You Pay for College. And he literally details why you don't want to get into this game of student loans or prestige colleges. He taught me that transferring might not be the best idea. I always said start at a junior college because so many credits won't transfer. But he talks a lot about the value of an education related to the kind of job and the kind of pay you're going to get coming out of it, it's a really good book. And the other person who wrote about that is Larry Kotlikoff, uh, in his latest book, wrote about the, the cost of an education. So there's a lot being thought about, but it doesn't get down to all the people who think, my kid's got to go to Michigan. Go Blue. By the way, hey, John Williams, you made a comment that if a school costs $60,000, even if you can afford it, these parents should possibly think of better ways to spend their money. I work on the Metro train. And I come into contact with numerous college kids. There are way better ways for these parents to spend their money. And uh, this one says, um, I appreciate that the University of Wisconsin-Madison has a teacher pledge. If you work for three years at a Wisconsin school, they pay for the junior and senior year. I know because our child's in the program. We need more of these programs that offset debt with a job commitment. Wow, that's a good idea. That's a great idea. Well. Um, credit cards are coming due. Uh, the credit card debt, I just talked to somebody from Bankrate the other day, and they said that while it went down for a lot of people during the pandemic, now we're back up to where we used to be and then some. Yeah, the savings rate soared during the pandemic uh, because we, they sent out all those stimulus checks. A lot of it, of course, was spent on basic needs. But actually, the American saving rate soared during the pandemic because you couldn't go out really in shop or travel or eat out. So the, now the savings rate has plunged and credit card debt in the third quarter jumped 20%. The largest quarterly jump in, it was I'm sorry, 15%, the largest quarterly jump in 20 years. And so what's suddenly becoming apparent is 
the economists were saying, hey, look, you know, the economy's strong, the consumer's strong into the holidays and so forth. That's fine. We, you know, we don't have unemployment. Where's the recession everyone was talking about? I think what's happened, and there's a growing awareness, that the consumers are stopped. It wasn't the holiday spending only. It was charging basic necessities like groceries hmm. on credit cards. It's driven up balances dramatically. And now it's all come and due. In January, the bills come. And um, I've just put together a column, things you can do right now. But the worst thing you can do is not open the bill. Do you know how many people just go, oh, yeah, there's my credit card bill? Well, I don't have the money. I won't open the bill. You remember the secret formula? I've given it many times. Take the minimum monthly payment. Write it down. It's $82. Double it. Pay that same amount, $164. I know that's tough, but pay that every month and don't charge another penny on your card. And you will pay off the balance in less than three years. But if you only pay the minimum the way those minimums are created, it could take you as long as 31 years. And speaking of interest piling up, along the way you'll pay four times as much as the $1,000 you charge or $2,000 in interest. So the average credit the card minimum. That, that's a great little formula. It is. Um, the average uh, credit card rate is now uh, just under 20%. Yep. Meaning there are as many above that as below that, and some store cards are at 30%. Oh, there are many people. I mean, if you ask everybody in the audience to raise their hands that bothered to look, people are paying 27 28% now, and rates are just, you know, they haven't reached down to the consumer. They're, they're going to go higher even. There is another alternative, but I hesitate to recommend it because it has huge potential dangers. It reminds me of all those drug commercials you see on TV. <laughs> this is going to cure you. You'll be dancing in the streets and happily. Of course, there are some side effects like death. Um, but in this case, or whatever, this case, there is a potential cure that if you can manage it correctly, can help you out. And that's called a balance transfer card. If you still have good credit, in other words, you're current, but you have a huge balance, you may be able to transfer that balance and get an interest-free grace period of up to 18, some even 21 months. Now, you still have to make payments on the card. And the trick is you use that interest-free period to really make those double monthly payments, okay, and make a real dent in your balance because if you don't, then the zero rate will jump to 28, 29%. They tell you that up front. The way to find those balance transfer cards is at creditcards.com. Just right on their homepage, there are eight little boxes about which kind of credit card you want. One says balance transfer cards, and it'll show you there are a dozen or so uh, balance transfer cards. Well, boy, that does make you wonder why would they do that, except that they are betting that you're not going to get to the finish line. They're betting, you know, they're betting that you you that you won't pay enough down, sure, so that they're going to make it up in spades at the end when you're suddenly yeah. hooked, and by that point, you won't be able to transfer again. King John, please ask Terry Savage, what age do I have to be to apply for my deceased husband's? Social Security, please, please. What age do I have to be? Uh, I'm going to try and remember this. Um, you can apply at age 62, but you may be able to get benefits earlier if you have a dependent. So you have to contact Social Security to find out. But I'm 95% I'm that you can apply 
to collect earlier uh, at 62. But if you do apply before your full retirement age, the benefits will be reduced. So you want to make sure that you wait as long as possible. And that's a real technical question. I have to look that up but That's every interesting time because you always yell at people when they try and take Social Security too early, but if it's your deceased spouse's Social Security that you want to tap, then is it the same idea, wait as long as you can? Um, I'm, looking at, I'm, I'm actually looking it up because I, here we go. The earliest a widow or widower can start receiving Social Security survivor benefits based on age remains at age 60. Widow or widow for widower's benefits can start any time between 60 and full retirement age as a survivor. If the benefits start earlier, they are reduced a fraction of a percent for each month before full retirement age. However, there are additional benefits if you have a minor child. 60. This is uh, Pete. You're on WGN Radio. Pete, what can we do for you? Hi. Hi, how are you? I really enjoy your show. Hey, Terry, I just have kind of a quick question for you. Every year when you get your automobile insurance, and probably your homeowner's insurance too, it says that you can have it re-rated. And, and you know, it, when they re-rate it, it could be higher or it could be lower. And I was just wondering if you recommend that or if you have an opinion on that um, and what your thoughts are. I've never heard of that. I've, I haven't either. I've, I've called and complained on occasion, and then I've been told I'm lucky. That I mean, because they already know that you have um, in your park your car in a garage, for example. Whether if, even if it's a condo, you park your car in the garage, not on the street. You get points off for that. I'm sure if you're in Florida and you have hurricane shutters, for example. So you can ask them to review your coverage, and I don't see any reason wrong with uh, for not doing that. And sometimes the funny I thing got sta- I got State Farm and on my bill every year when it comes due, I pay it twice a year. But it says you can have it re-rated once a year only, and it said, you know, you just got to ask them, but then it could be higher or, or it could be lower, you know. Well, all those and bills are going up was, anyway. The, the increases yeah, in That's a crazy game of roulette. Yeah, I mean, my goodness. If it's going to yeah. be lower, tell me. If it's going to be higher, tell me. That, are you saying they won't, they won't yeah, tell too. you? I think that's, you know, yeah. No, they don't tell you. I mean, if you ask to have it re-rated the way I understand it, and I've, I've asked my agent, then, you know, um, at least with State Farm, if they come back and say it went up $50, say, then that's what it is. You know what I mean? And if it yeah. went down 50 it, it is too, you know. But that's what I was wondering, yeah. I know, I didn't know if all... I've written a lot about it. I know, I know State Farm does it. That's interesting. I, I, I've never had that. I know a lot of people call the phone number on the back of their credit card and say, hey, I'm thinking about getting a different card because your rate's too high. And then they say, hold on a second. Then they come back and say, we now have a better plan. Oh, absolutely. And they get you a different rate. Uh, I think that's true with your cable bill, your phone bill, a lot of I've done of that with my phone bill. Have you really? Your yeah, phone I've bill. said, I've been with AT&T for 40 years. Excuse me? Uh, <laughs> they said, oh, you're a little old lady now. I said, yes. Do I get a lower bill? Yeah. All right. It's uh, 1230. We'll pause here. Good luck to you. Uh, thanks for the phone call. The number is 312-981-7200. Terry Savage, are you still going to be in the studio here for the next? You're going to be here for the whole hour, Terry. Did you I, know that? I know that. I love it. When okay. I'm... 312-981-7200. We do, too. Terry Savage is the Wednesday guest for the full hour today. It's a shame we weren't here in the studio. As, as Bob did the news, Terry and I were discussing the probability of flipping a coin and it coming up heads or tails, or making free throws. And what are the chances that the next free throw 
will honor, say, the percent average that that free throw shooter normally makes. I don't even know what I just said. We were talking probabilities. Statistics was never my great long suit. It came because of the lotto discussion, though. Oh, yeah, right. About, you know, I said that odds. you have a better chance, a slightly better chance of winning if you pick an adjacent pair. That's 18, false. 19. That's just false. I believe every, it's true. <laughs> and the earth is round. Do you believe that? I mean, every lotto ball has the same percentage chance right. of coming through the slot. Yes, I, I do have a logical response to that. But I'm not going to take the time to... Okay, let's talk money. Let's well, talk, lotto is money. Let's talk to Bernadine. You're on WGN. Bernadine, this is John. You're on the air. Hello. 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 Hi. What can we do for you? Uh, I'm, I'm wondering if we, if we pay uh, tax on the, in, on the interest from an I-bond, that $10,000 I-bond that I put in last yeah. How does how do you know how much to pay? How how do you know how much interest was accrued by December thirty first? No, Bernadine. The government. I'll hold on, hold stop on. you. I'm going to give you some great peace of mind. You do not have to pay taxes on all that accrued interest until somewhere way down the road you cash in the savings bond, and the difference between what you paid for it and the um, value when you cash it in will be taxed as ordinary income in that year when you cash it in. Will Even though a, it's accruing, will she get a 1099 or something? And like at that? that point, the government will send you a 1099. But you're going to hold it. Remember, you must hold it for a year, and you you have a penalty if you sell it after less than five years. So you're going to hang on to that for a good long time, and don't worry about paying taxes. It makes you feel good though to see the interest build up when you go to your account at Treasury Direct. Okay, so just forget about this. Yeah, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it till you cash them in. Bernadine, we're happy to help. We're going to go from you to Tom. You're on WGN. Hi, Tom. Hi. What can we do for you, Tom? You're on the air. Uh, I have an I, I have several IRAs, my wife and I, together. And uh, recently, this particular fund decided to close. And they claimed that they sent a letter in advance of the closing that you could either do a uh, roll it over into something else, uh, take it or do whatever. To the best of my knowledge, I can't ever recall getting that letter, but what they did do was close the fund. They sent me a distribution check minus what they sent to the IRS. Oh. So they taxed the, IR, they taxed the IRA. Can I reverse that in some fashion? Probably not, but tell me on the air, what company did that to you? I want, I want to say it was CGM or CMG. Uh, well, I don't know that company, but um, first of all, that's horrible. How old are you? I'm 71. 71. Oh, oh okay. Well, you know what? You're probably going to have to start taking distributions. Well, you will the year you turn 73. So it's not the worst thing in the world. They withheld taxes. You're going to get a 1099. I hope they withheld enough taxes. Probably they did. But that's if you have other IRAs with them, you and your wife has hers with them, there's a column up at, Terry, at terrysavage.com. Yeah. 
I think you want to roll, I don't know what company this is, but I think you want to call Fidelity or Vanguard, 1-800-FIDELITY or Vanguard. Have your account information in front of you, and you don't even have to talk to that former, the place where you have them now. Give them all the information and say, I'm 71, you don't, you're not subject to required distributions yet, and besides, you just took that money out, yeah. and I'm gonna, will you help me roll it over and you're going to do something very, very conservative when you get to Fidelity, like put half maybe in a money market fund and half in a balanced fund. And so you'll have cash there to start taking out in the years ahead. But you don't want to leave any more money with whoever that custodian was. And don't take the check. Fidelity or Vanguard will help you roll it over directly. They'll do all the paperwork. Just did that with somebody. Just roll it direct. Thanks for the phone call. Good luck. Hey, Terry, I found a stock certificate from 1937 in my mom's paperwork. What do you suggest I do to see if there's any value to this? There used to be a great company called Stock Search International, and I think they went out of business. Um, Stock Search International, da-da-da-da-da. Um, but I believe, let me just look. There's got to be a site that will There track. is a site. And I knew the woman who started and I interviewed her so many years ago. Her name is Micheline Massey. And, uh, but I went to give, get it information. And yeah, the, the site's not loading. Uh, if this site can't be reached. If you'll post, you know what? It's good for me. I should do some research. If you will uh, post that on my Ask Terry blog at terrysavage.com. I will find out who's doing that now. Good luck to you and uh, terrysavage.com 630 for the value of a 1937 stock certificate. Reminds me of that guy who called in and said that the family found $800,000 bills and the value of those is probably greater than the face value of that $800,000. Hey, if you're that person, we still want Wait, you to well, call yes. back. Call me, uh, text me, just let us know what you've done or where that journey is. They found $800,000 in the safe and the baseboards of a bedroom closet that their parents used to live in. Imagine that. Yeah, some of it's still in the bank slip. Hi, Terry. Regarding uh, widow benefits, I recently applied after my husband passed. He worked most of his life. I'm still working. And I was denied the benefit because I make too much money. Not a lot. Doesn't seem fair since now I'm missing half of that income. Okay. The general rule is, and then I'm going to send you somewhere. I've just given up trying to... Ray is so good at knowing all those details, but she still says, call my office, so we'll look at the specifics. The rules around Social Security are so complex, I'm going to tell you, if you were given correct or incorrect information, how to find that out. But basically, you will get your spouse's benefit to the extent that it is greater than your own benefit will or would be, and you want to wait to get the maximum benefit. How do you know in your specific situation, based on his specific earnings and so forth, you go to MaximizeMySocialSecurity.com. That's Larry Kotlikoff's website, the guru of Social Security. MaximizeMySocialSecurity.com. You pay $39, and it could make a difference in thousands and thousands of dollars in the benefits you receive. I would not try to keep getting through to Social Security because he's done articles about how wrong the advice has been or the information has been that's been given by Social Security about what your benefits should be. MaximizeMySocialSecurity.com. 815 said, you can have your car insurance re-rated using a current credit-based insurance score. 
David Hochberg encourages people to get re-rated if their credit score has significantly increased. Good to know. That's a good thing to know. Um, okay, 312-981-7200. More calls, more texts with Terry Savage. You'll get in if you call right now. 312-981-7200. Right now, though, let's check more business news with Steve Grzanich. Start your timer. It's time for the Trust Business Minute, sharing Chicago's business news of the day. Chicago-based Molson Coors has introduced a new canned, non-alcoholic cocktail called Roxy. The drink is inspired by the craft cocktail craze, and it'll be marketed at 21 to 34-year-olds looking for non-alcoholic options. Roxy has 90 calories per 12-ounce serving. It comes in three flavors, including mango, pineapple, and passion fruit. Roxy will be sold direct to consumers through the Molson Coors website. It's not available in stores or bars. Beverage industry analysts say the non-alcoholic category could grow as much as 27% among part of the target age group by 2025. After 42 years of Pepsi products, the Cubs are bringing Coke back to the friendly confines. Coke and other Coke-owned soft drinks will be the official drinks inside and outside of Wrigley Field, including at Gallagher Way and at Sloan Park in Mesa, Arizona. I'm Steve Grzanich, and that's your Wintrust Business Minute. Now the business of food and Steve Alexander. Thank you, and thanks to the Chevy Silverado HD for sponsoring us today. Experience your life in HD. Visit ChevyDriveChicago.com. One of the most important jobs in the business of food over the years has been the supermarket checker. And here's part of a checker training film from 1965. Probably no job in a supermarket affects the store's success more than that of a checker. She is a shopper's last and often only personal contact with the store. To the customer, the checker is very important. Yeah, not so much anymore, thanks to scanners and self-checkout. And we are all in such a hurry, hurry, hurry. But how about we do what the Dutch have done and slow down? Slow lanes have been added by a supermarket chain in the Netherlands. They're called Kletzkasse, which translates to chat checkout. It's a special lane for the elderly or anyone who isn't in a rush and could use a little chat with a cashier. Jumbo is the chain and the slow lanes are part of a national campaign against loneliness. Uh, we were the first uh, supermarket with the, with the Kletzkasse. Yeah, he works at the Jumbo store in Vlaima and he says the slow lane is a hit. We, yeah. It's busy. <laughs> the response was so positive, the company is adding 200 of these lanes across the country. On top of that, Jumbo's adding a chat corner where people can just gather for a cup of coffee and a little conversation. Jumbo's CCO, Chief Customer Officer, says it's a small gesture, but it's a valuable one to their customers and to the employees who enjoy being a connection for the lonely. And isn't it interesting how the job of Checker, rated this week in a survey by U.S. News & World Report as one of the worst jobs, can be one of the most important jobs to people who, well, they just crave having somebody to talk to. And it was just in the last week or so a survey named Chicago one of the loneliest cities in the country. So maybe adding some slow lanes, some Kletzkasse, is an idea worth thinking about. Oh, if you're going to the store today, be sure and smile at the checker. And don't forget the milk. It's National Milk Day. That's the business of food on 720 WGN. Anything you want to say before we take no, more calls? No, let's do the calls. See let's... how many we can do. <laughs> That's up to you. All right, I'll be good. Let's go to Jan. You're on W or Joe. You're on WGN. And Joe, how can we help you? Terry, which one of these three brokers would you recommend? Schwab, Fidelity, or Vanguard? I'd recommend all three. With, yeah. All three without reservation. The same thing. Okay, are they well, all, are I they all a long time from... customer with uh, Schwab, and it seems like uh, they don't give adequate uh, advice. I was 
at a meeting at uh, Fidelity, <laughs> and they gave a lot of good information. Wait a minute. But, uh, what, this, still, Joe, yeah. I'm going to be quick. There's a difference between advice and information. Now, when you go to any of these firms, they will also have programs where they can set you up with a financial advisor who will give you advice for a fee. But if you ask me about the firms themselves and you say, gee, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to put a half in the S&P 500 fund, half in the balance fund, 10% in bonds, 5% in gold, I believe 15% in money market. If you know what you want to do, all three of those are equal. If you want to pay for advice, it depends on the advisor you get. But you know, need to know the difference between information, which they all have and will sure. give you. It depends on the advice. advisor you get. But that depends on the individual. You, you don't know that the individual advisors are necessarily any better at one firm than another. No, absolutely not. And, and uh, the levels of advice you can get are very different. Um, so you, you make sure you understand what you're paying for. If you just you ask me which firm was better, they're all the same. Thanks for okay. the phone call, Joe. This is Tony. You're on WGN. Hi, Tony. Hi, John. Hi, Terry. Hey. Just a quick question. Um, I know you have a crystal ball in front of you, but I've noticed before on the trend of the Fed's raising rates, the CD rates also went up, too. Um, I, I'm not a big fan of the stock market, I guess, because I don't know enough about it. But should I lock in now? At a, at like, I, I can get a 4.25 at 13 months. Or do you foresee them going up even higher? Oh, my crystal ball. Look, right now you can get four point, close to 4.9% next Monday at the auction, unless something drastic changes, on six-month Treasury bills. I think okay. the Fed, the market thinks the Fed, forget what I think, the market thinks the Fed will raise rates, short-term rates, to 5%, maybe even a little higher, before it gives up and starts to cut. So the question is going to be, when do I stop buying six-month T-bills, settle for a little less interest, and go out for one year or two years, or a CD for two years? The banks aren't being so horribly competitive any right now, so I'm, I'm a little skeptical about that. But I think you could see another month or two of higher short-term rates, and then you'll have to see. I have no idea when rates will peak. That's the Multi-trillion, that's a $30 trillion question. Well, will interest rates peak? 4.9 isn't bad, though. Oh, right now it's 4.89 today on six-month T-bills. The auction takes place on Monday. Go to treasurydirect.gov. Go to terrysavage.com. Under the financial links section, it's how to buy treasury bills. It's just, it's very safe. You open your account online. You can do this. Joe, you're on WGN Radio with Terry Savage. Hi, Terry. I've always loved listening to you. I have a slightly unusual question about Social Security. I agree with you that you should always wait to your maximum retirement age or later. Um, but my wife heard, since we have young children, I'm 61. We have a 9-year-old and 11-year-old. If you take your benefits as soon as possible, the kids get uh, half benefits. No. Now, what? If you die, you mean? No, not if you die. If you declare for your Social Security benefits early, which, I, what is it, 62 and a half, your kids each get half of your benefits. No, 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 no. Unless you have a surviving spouse and young children, that's the only time children get Social Security benefits. You wait till your full retirement age. Her benefit won't increase uh, if she gets if she happens to be eligible for survivors' benefits. Beyond, you're going to get a much bigger check if you wait till age seventy. 
And on the top of that, all future inflation adjustments will be made. Your kids don't get benefits from Social Security unless for the children of a surviving spouse. Thanks for the phone call. Good luck. Hey, John and Terry, I'm an independent contractor for the first time. Had no taxes taken out of my check. Uh-huh. When do I have to pay taxes? Yesterday, um, you were supposed to make quarterly estimated tax payments. You need an accountant to now help set you up to do that. You do that online. If you, you may have a safe harbor, uh, depends on how much you earned, you're, but there's a deadline f- to probably make it up uh, as much as you can. Go to an accountant January 17th, the first quarter payments due, and you should be paying a big hunk in quarterly estimated taxes. Take all your income, even if you haven't gotten your, your 1099s yet, yeah. and, and figure that out. Good luck. Um, John and Terry, please, how does my 18-year-old son put money into Fidelity for a mutual fund, like an S&P index fund? Is he able to start a Roth IRA as well? He's a senior in high school. No, he can't. you can only contribute to an IRA, any type of an IRA, from earned income. So if he had a job, even if he spent all the money, if he made $1,000 last summer as a lifeguard or whatever kids do these days, probably a social media contact person, um, he, you could give him $1,000 and open an IRA. If not, uh, once he turned 18, he's the age of majority in Illinois, so he could open an account at Fidelity. You could give him the money. But there are probably better things, that uh, lessons you could teach him about investing But in it stocks. doesn't have to be an IRA anyway. He could do no, after-tax dollars and just start a mutual you, you fund. You could start, you start investing in a mutual fund, uh, go to a place like Stockpile. It costs a little bit, but there he can pick stocks and research them and learn about investing, and I think that's kind of what you want. Um, But by the way, if you're gonna apply for financial aid for college, do not let him open an account in his own name. It'll weigh seven times more heavily against you in the financial aid formula. TerrySavage.com is where you get more information like that, TerrySavage.com, and here on WGN Radio on Wednesdays.